Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, John continues his series on the book of Revelation with his message, The Aftermath of the Battle of Armageddon. Revelation 19, beginning in verse 15, let's think for a moment about the physical aftermath of the battle. Now, let's just read verse 15 to kind of even further get us back in the spirit of the battle. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has a name on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the great for the supper of the great God. Or your translation may say, For the great supper of God. That you may eat the flesh of kings the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. These are the people who had gathered in the valley of Megiddo for this battle. Now look in verse 21. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. And so the destruction of life will be so great that birds, vultures, will just surround and pounce on this area, and the birds will eat. It's very graphic, very grotesque, but it is right here in the Bible. Will eat the flesh of those who have been killed. Now look back at the very end of verse 17. Notice what this angel who was standing in the sun said. He said, come and gather together for the supper of the great God. Now if you'll remember a few weeks ago, we studied the marriage supper of the lamb from the first part of chapter 19. That is a good thing. That's where we will be, those of us who have been saved after the rapture of the church, we'll be taken to heaven. We will be judged by Christ, not for our sins, but for our lives, how we have lived, and He will reward us, and we will have a great celebration in heaven known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's a good thing. But this that is being described here, even though it uses the word supper, is a bad thing. It's the total opposite. The great supper of God or the supper of the great God refers to all the flesh that will have been destroyed and how the birds will eat uh, that flesh. That's the great supper of God. And so that is part of the physical aftermath that will take place. Now look in verse 19, and this is really what I want us to hone in on this morning. Let's think about the spiritual aftermath. John's having this vision. He said, I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him, that's Jesus, who sat on the horse and against his army, that's us. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now that expression, lake of fire, some of your translations may say uh, 
fiery sulfur, may use the word sulfur, but it's talking about hell. This is another way to describe hell, and it is described here as the lake of fire. And interestingly enough, these will be the first two people to be sent to hell, the Antichrist and the false prophet. Now, we've talked about this before, but since we're this deep in it, let me just say now, by way of reminder, that when unbelievers die today, those who have never been saved, when they die today, they do not go immediately to hell. No one is in hell right now. When unbelievers die, they go to a place called Hades, H-A-D-E-S. And we read about that here in Revelation, but we also read about it in Luke chapter 16 in verse 23. And if you're a note taker, you might want to just jot that verse down. In Luke 16, Jesus was telling a parable, and he told about a man, a rich man, an unsaved man who died. And when he died, he went to this place called Hades. Hades is a place of punishment. It is a place of torment. It is an agonizing, awful place, but it is, in fact, not hell. Hell is where people who are not saved will ultimately go, but they don't go there immediately. The first two people who will go to hell, we could say it this way, the first two residents of hell or the lake of fire will be the Antichrist and the false prophet. Now, it's interesting, in Matthew chapter 25 in verse 41, as Jesus is talking about hell, he said this, he said that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Think about this. When God prepared hell, he didn't prepare it for human beings. He prepared it for the devil. The the devil has not always been the devil. Of course, he was an angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer. He was a high-ranking, beautiful angel. And yet we read in Scripture that pride rose up in his heart. He wanted to be worshiped as God. He rebelled against God, led in a revolt against God. This has happened in heaven. God cast Lucifer out of heaven. He became the devil. The fallen angels that went with him became the demons. And so when that happened, God prepared hell for the devil and his angels. That happened a long time before God created Adam and Eve. And so before human life had been created, God prepared hell for the devil and his angels. And yet, The Bible is clear that even though hell was not prepared for human beings, that unsaved human beings will, in fact, go to hell. Now, you're in Revelation 19. Go to chapter 20 and look at verse number 15. The Bible says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We'll get to this later in our study. This happens later on, but the point for now is that unsaved people will end up in hell. So when we think about hell, the question is, what is hell? I think most of us have an idea. It's, it's a bad place. It's the opposite of heaven. It's where you don't want to go. But if we had to give a definition of hell, what is it? So let me give a definition. Hell is a place of eternal punishment for those whose sins have not been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to let that sink in, and I want to say it again. Hell is a place. It's not an idea. It's not an imagination. No, it's not a concept. It's a place. It is a place of eternal 
punishment for those whose sins have never been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just like heaven is a place, it's a place for those of us at the place of great celebration, for those of us whose sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those who end up in heaven and those who end up in hell will have this in common. Both groups of people sinned, no doubt about that. The only difference is those of us who will be in heaven had our sins forgiven, those in hell never did, and so that's what hell is all about. It is a place of punishment. God, as a holy, just God, must punish sin. Your sins, my sins, everybody's sins will either be punished by Jesus Christ when He died on the cross. The punishment for our sins will either be on Him or People will have to pay for their own sins, be punished for their sins in a place called hell. But make no mistake about it, God is too holy to overlook sins. All sins must be dealt with. And those of us who have saved have just chosen to let Jesus, His death on the cross, be the payment for our sins. So that's what hell is. It's a place of eternal punishment. Now, what will hell be like? I mean, I think most of us, if even before you came in the room today, back in the commons, if we were interviewing people and said, hey, the sermon today is about hell, some of you would have said, thanks for the warning. See you next week. I'm not staying for that one. But if you would have been interviewed and they would have said to you, hey, what do you think hell is like? I think many of the things that I'm about to show you, you would have said. You already know some of this. Some of this you may never have thought of, but In order for us to fully understand hell, we have to understand the Greek word that Jesus used to describe, and he used the Greek word, and it is translated into our English Bibles as hell. And the Greek word is this, Gehenna, G-E-H-E-N-N-A, Gehenna. Now, if we could read Greek, which most of us cannot, but if we could, and we're reading in our Bibles, and we come across the word Gehenna, that, doesn't, that wouldn't mean much to us because we don't have the background, we don't have the understanding of the landscape and the culture of the day like the people Jesus spoke to did. In Bible times, in New Testament times, Gehenna, even in Old Testament times, but Jesus using Greek words, so in New Testament times, it referred to a valley south of Jerusalem, the Hinnom Valley, H-I-N-N-O-M. If you are in Israel today, and your guide takes you to the Mount of Olives, and you're standing on the Mount of Olives looking at the old city of Jerusalem, to the left, to the south of that, of the, it's in the city, but it's south of the main part of the city, is this Valley of Hinnom, and it was called, it was referred to as Gehenna. In Old Testament times, many of the people who worshipped false gods would go to that valley, and they would sacrifice their young children to their false gods to demonstrate or to try to prove to the false god how loyal they were to that god and how much they loved that god. They're sacrificing, child sacrifice is taking place in that valley. After that, it became the city dump. Everybody who lived in Jerusalem would go to that spot, they would take their trash, and they would dump it in that place, and the trash would be set on fire. And you can imagine, you've got a whole city taking their trash, things they don't want, dumping it in this valley, and it's, there's a, so there was a continual fire that was burning in the Hinnom Valley, in Gehenna. Smoke was always going up, flames were always going up, and so when Jesus was talking to the people about hell, he had to select a word that they would understand, and he used the Greek word Gehenna. Let me give you a scripture for that. 
In Mark chapter 9, verses 43 and following, we read the English word hell from the Greek word Gehenna. And he's using that word to describe hell because they could all relate to it. What Jesus was saying is, just like this Hinnom Valley constantly has flames going up, constantly has smoke going up, that's how hell will be, that's what it will be like. And so when he used that word, everybody's eyes got wide. He had everybody's attention, and people thought, well, I don't want to go to this place because it would be awful to be there. So let me give you just some descriptions of hell. I won't belabor this, but let me give you some descriptions. First of all, as we've already seen, it is a lake of fire. That's how it is described in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, uh, the word hell is not there. Gehenna is not in Revelation. It's referred to instead as the lake of of fire. But turn back to Matthew chapter 8. I want to show you, could just reference this, but I want you to mark this in your Bible. Two verses that, in, a, in really one verse, tells us so much about hell. Look in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 11. Jesus said, And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he's saying at the end of time, there will be people from all over the world who will be in heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and with all those who have known God in a personal way who have been saved. But in verse 12, he flips the coin, gives the contrast, and he talks about hell. He says, but the sons of the kingdom, that is a reference to the Jewish people living in Jesus' day who, though Jewish, were unsaved. They thought that they were accepted in God's eyes because they had Jewish blood running in their veins. And they thought, since we're Jewish, we're the children of God. And so Jesus refers to them as the sons of the kingdom. It still applies to the unsaved Jewish people today. Nobody goes to heaven just because they're Jewish, just like nobody goes to heaven because they're Baptist or American. You only go to heaven by being saved. And so today, the sons of the kingdom would repl- would, could, could apply to anybody who thinks they're right with God for any other reason than that they've been truly saved, and they're not. And what will happen to them? Look what he says. We'll be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's Jesus described hell as a place of outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let me just give you some descriptive words or phrases here that help us understand what hell will be like. Not only a lake of fire, but hell will be a dark place. Now, I think most of us know that already, but I want to just say it because most of us don't like the dark. Even at night, most of us will have a light from the moon that comes in or the sun. I'm so forgetting the night. It's not just totally dark, but in hell, it will be total darkness. Not only that, in hell, there'll be loud. It will be a loud place. He's describing weeping and wailing, loud sounds that is describing. And I don't personally like noise. I like more quiet and calm and tranquil places. And if I'm, if I'm in a setting where there's just too much noise, I want out of that because I live a, a, I really live a more quiet life. But noise will be one of the characteristics of hell. And not only that, hell will be a painful place. When Jesus says gnashing of teeth, that is a description of something that is very, very painful. And so I know this is not pleasant to think about, but I have to be honest and preach what's in the Bible. I don't think as a preacher 
or a teacher of God's Word, you can be a scared. I don't think you can be a scared preacher. I don't think you can be afraid to deal with what the Bible says. And so although I find this very difficult to talk about, it is in the Bible. And so we need to understand that hell will be a painful place. But not only that, hell will be a nasty place. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 44, Jesus said that in hell, in Gehenna, the fire is not quenched. The fire doesn't go out. But he also said this, the worm does not die. In that valley of Hinnom in, uh, south, in, in the southern part of Jerusalem, not only would a fire constantly be going up, but the worms would be going and crawling through that valley. And Jesus said, the worms don't die. It's interesting. In the Hinnom Valley, people die. Everything there is dead, but the worms don't die. It's a nasty place. And then it's a lonely place. Hell will be a lonely place. I think some people have the idea, some unsaved people have the idea that heaven is for the religious crowd, and hell is for the irreligious crowd, and some of the unsaved think, well, I won't be going to heaven because I'm not a part of the religious crowd, but that's okay with me because none of my family and friends are part of the religious crowd either, and so we'll just all go to hell together, and we'll be together forever, even though we won't be in heaven, at least we'll be together. Listen, I know people who have parents who were not Christians And we have talked to people and tried to lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. And some have said, my parents, my grandparents, my family, none of them are Christians. And so according to what you're saying, that means when they died, they did not go to heaven. And you're telling me if I get saved when I die, I will go to heaven. And that means for all eternity, according to what you're telling me, I will be separated from my family. And we have had some who have maybe not said it, but have implied to us, we would rather be not in heaven, in hell with our family than to be separated from them for all eternity. Crazy logic. But in their minds, they think, even though I won't be in heaven, we'll be in hell, but the family will be back together. Friend, what you need to understand is this. If, you're, if your family's unsaved, it is true, you'll all be together in hell, but you won't be having any conversations You won't be having any party. You won't be having any celebration. You won't be talking to each other. Why? Because it's outer darkness. You won't be able to see your family. You won't be able to see your unsafe friend. Some people think that hell is a party for those who have rejected Christ and lived however they wanted to live. Let me say this. When people get to hell, the party's over. And yet they think, well, we'll be down there and we'll be able to communicate. You you wouldn't be able to hear. You can't see your family and friends. You won't be able to hear your family and friends. It is a lonely, isolated place, but not only cut off from people, cut off from God. To me, the worst thing about hell, as horrible as the darkness and the, the pain and the loudness and the nastiness and no other human interaction that a person would have for all eternity. That's hard. All of that is unthinkably terrible. But worse than that will be that in hell, people will be forever cut off from the very presence of God. Now, I know somebody, when I say that, says, now, wait a second, John, there's that verse in Psalm 139. David said, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. He's talking about the grave, not hell. But even if you want to say, if you want to take the omnipresence of God that far and say, since God is everywhere, 
That means that God must also be in hell. I don't have any problem saying that as long as we say it biblically and accurately that the only part of God's presence that will be in hell is the judging, punishing, righteous presence of God. There will be, nobody in hell is going to be praying to God. You know, one of the things we have as Christians every day, if our minds are right and if our hearts are right, from the time we wake up until the time we go to bed, if we choose to, we can live our lives in unbroken fellowship with God. We're talking to him. He's talking to us. We're in unbroken communion, unbroken union, unbroken communion. But listen, when people get to hell, there'll be none of that. God is not there in that sense. God is not there in his grace. He is not there in his forgiveness. He is not there in his comfort. He is not there in his help. He is there in his judgment, punishing sins that were not forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so hell will be a lonely place, cut off from people, forever alone. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, Jesus described it as the everlasting punishment it's punishment. And then Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill your body. Instead, he said, fear God who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Now, when you read that, you think, well, that must mean the people who go to hell, ultimately, they will be destroyed. Ultimately, their bodies will be destroyed. Who could, whose body could live in fire and in this environment forever and for always? Well, that leads us to the third question. How long will people be in hell? If I were here today listening to this sermon, and if I were unsaved, sitting where you're sitting, never been to this church before, and I'm thinking, First of all, I'd probably be thinking, boy, I picked a bad day to come to church. Man's up there talking about hell. I wish I'd have come when he was talking about heaven or something a little bit happier than this. Well, come back next week and it'll be a more happy topic. But listen, today's topic may not be the most encouraging topic, but I'll tell you this. If you're here today unsaved and you get saved, one day in heaven you'll say, John, thank you for preaching that sermon on hell. Because God used that to get my attention. God used that to make me think, what does a man do? What does a woman do if he goes to his cardiologist and that doctor says, if you don't make some lifestyle changes, if you don't have this surgery, you will die. Does that man say, I don't like that doctor. He scared me. Or does that man say that doctor was honest with me and that doctor saved my life? When Jesus spoke so much about hell in the Bible, he wasn't doing that just to make people miserable. He was doing that to get people's attention and to be honest with people and to give people a wake-up call and to help them know that hell is indeed a real place. But if I were sitting out here today unsaved, listening to this sermon, and now we finally, we've talked about what hell is, what hell will be like. The third question is, how long will people be in hell? If I didn't know anything about the Bible, I would be thinking, I hope the answer to that question is not very long. Because who would want to live in a place like that for any length of time? But friend, the short but sad answer is, when people die lost without Jesus, they will end up in hell. And here's the word, forever. Forever. It's eternal and there's no way out. Where will you be spending eternity? If you are trusting in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you will spend your eternity in heaven. Maybe today, you need to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Won't you pray with me now? Just simply say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. 
I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Jesus, please make me the person you created me to be. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it to rejoice with you in your decision. Please share your decision with us by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Again, that's 1-800-337-0157. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with the other messages in John's Revelation series on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org under the broadcast tab. To watch videos of John's series on the book of Revelation from the beginning, simply go to www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. Again, that's fbp.org forward slash revelation. If you would like to grow in your relationship with the Lord, we have some resources that we believe will help you. Simply look for the booklets tab on peacebybelieving.org. The booklet, In the Twinkling of an Eye, is a great companion study to go along with John's message today. We would love for you to keep up with us on social media. We invite you to like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook or follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.